discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, welcome to our Sunday morning service. I know that you're enjoying yourself wherever you are. And uh, this morning I want to share with you concerning something very important, you know, that I believe will help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's important we understand what has happened to us as Christians, you know, and uh, I'm going to attempt to try and take you through a series of messages. Maybe you have four messages to help you understand um, what it means, what has happened to you, and what God is expecting out of you. And I've titled it, What to Do with the First Coming. What to do with Jesus' first coming. You know, Jesus has come and gone. But what does it mean to you and I? What are you going to do with it? Hallelujah. I want us to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll continue. Father, thank you for this morning once again. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit who is here with us, present with us. Thank you that your word proceeds with power, with clarity, with great understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for understanding for every single individual watching us online to your glory. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit who carries the word from this studio through these cameras, through their phones, laptops, and TVs into their lives. Thank you for changes, for growth, for development like never before, even in Jesus' name. Thank you for great impact made this morning in your children's lives. Thank you that through this word, through this message, our lives are transfigured and changed forever to your glory, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. So I'm sharing concerning what to do with Jesus' first coming. Wow. What to do with Jesus' first coming. You know, a clear understanding of that will help us to know what God expects of us and to know how to act in this time. You see, now that you have life, what should you be doing? What should you spend your life on? What should you spend your time on? What should you spend your, your money on, your energy on, your everything on? That will be a blessing for you in eternity. They say time is for sowing and eternity is for reaping. That's what has been said by many. Time is for sowing. So we're in a period, we're in a day where you have to sow something, you know, so that you can reap in eternity. Hallelujah. So I want us to... Look at a few scriptures, and uh, as we go on, I'll show you what you can do with the first coming, what God expects you to do, what God is expecting from you as a child of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus came to pay for the punishment of the sin of man, isn't it? We all know that. I think we've said that so many times. That's why he came. The first incarnation was for the purpose of, um, you know, taking up the punishment or the judgment of sin. If you remember the last time I mentioned John chapter 12, when I was talking about the judgment of sin, 
I mentioned John chapter 12, verse 31. Look at John 12, 31. Let's start from there. John 12, 31. The Bible says, now is the judgment of this world. This is Jesus talking. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. You know, so there was a judgment that was supposed to be meted out to the world. You know, and Jesus came to come and receive that judgment. Hallelujah. So in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist said to his disciples, um, John 1, 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So Jesus came. Jesus' first incarnation or first coming was for the purpose of taking sin away, was for the purpose of having the sin of man, the sin of Adam, taken away. Hallelujah. That was one of his major, major purposes, even though that is not the only one, but it's a major, one of the major purposes, major reasons why he came. Praise the Lord. He came to take away sin. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 19. It says that for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of one, by the obedience of Jesus Christ, many are made righteous. By the disobedience of one, Adam, many were made sinners. Therefore, by the obedience of one, many are made righteous. Because of Adam's transgressions, all of humanity was plunged into sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. The whole of humanity sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Jesus came to come and blot out the sins of man. He came for the judgment of sin to be, to be uh, uh, judged in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you read in Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 1, let's read Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 1. You see um, a prophecy concerning what Jesus was going to do, what God was going to do in Christ for us with respect to the judgment of sin. He says, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's talking about Jesus. Next verse, verse 3. Then he says, he is despised and rejected of men. He came unto his own, but his own received him not, isn't it? He says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. He came to bear our griefs. Wow. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Wow. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded because of our transgressions, because of our sins, because of our offenses. He was wounded for that purpose. So in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, the Bible says that Christ was delivered on account of our offenses. Look at it. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He was talking about Jesus. It says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You can read it this way. Who was delivered on account of our offenses or by reason of our offenses and was raised again after we were declared justified. Hallelujah. Go back to Isaiah chapter 53, what we're reading. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities is the sins of the heart that nobody sees. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
Then it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Or the chastisement that brings us peace is upon him or was upon him. Hallelujah. The punishment for us to have peace was upon him. That's what he's talking about. The word chastisement means punishment or judgment. The judgment for our peace was upon him. Because as far as God was concerned, we were at loggerheads. We were not friends at all. Do you see? So if you read in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It is therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you seen it? Therefore being justified or being declared not guilty by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement, the judgment that needed to be meted out for us to have peace was upon Christ. Hallelujah. So he came for that purpose. He came for that reason. For sin to be judged in him. And Isaiah chapter 53 says a lot of things about it. Then he says, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With the stripes we are healed. Next verse, verse 6. Then it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sins of us all. All of humanity's sins was put on him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He was made sin. Who knew no sin? For he has made him to be sin for us. He made him to be sin for us. He made him the very epitome, the very definition, the very embodiment of sin. Whilst Christ was hanging on the cross, he bore the sins of all of humanity, past, present, future. The cross is eternal. The cross that Jesus died, or what Jesus did on the cross, is eternal. It is eternally efficacious. It is uh, effective for the past. It is effective for the present. It is effective for the future. So he says, for he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 6 now. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his sharers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You know, Jesus didn't talk at all throughout his capture. When he was captured all the way to the time he died, you can count the number of words he spoke. You know, he spoke up when Pilate was talking about authority, behaving as though he had authority to do everything. And Jesus told him, Brother, you don't have authority unless it is given unto you by God. It is my father who has given it to you. Hallelujah. You know, so he was quiet. He didn't even talk to Herod. Herod requested for his presence. He was mocking him and all of that. He put his royal robe on him. That He has heard that he does miracles, that he should do something for him to see. But Jesus was quiet. He didn't say anything throughout. He was with Herod for hours. He didn't say anything to him. Amazing. And he was just fulfilling scriptures. He says that, And as a sheep before her sharers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Go to verse 8. And he says, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Verse 9. Then he says, and he made his grave with the wicked. Remember, he died between two thieves. And with the rich in his death, he was buried in uh, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. 
So that's what he's talking about here. He says, and he made his grave with the wicked. He died in the midst of two thieves and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Have you seen it? This is the judgment of sin. God was meeting out the judgment of sin in him. So it pleased the Lord. Even though he had done nothing, he pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had to be punished. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So his soul was made an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. That is you and I. After he made his soul an offering for sin, his seed came up. That is all of uh, Christians. All those who believe in him. All of humanity actually. He says that he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Wow. Next verse. This is so powerful. Then he says, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So when Jesus was punished, God was satisfied that this punishment for sin had been done. It was okay. The judgment of sin had been done or had been accomplished and God was satisfied. He says, he shall see the travail of his soul. When he saw the travail of Jesus' soul, he became satisfied. Then he says, and by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. By the knowledge of what has happened, shall my righteous servant, that is Jesus Christ, justify many or bring many unto righteousness for he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a very beautiful uh, prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And look at verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow. So this is what Jesus came for. Jesus came to pay for the punishment of the son of man. Okay. And I mean, it was the lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And he took away the sin of the world. That was one of the major reasons why he came the first time. Major reasons why he came the first time. But it's not the only reason. He had other reasons. He also came to give life. To give the life of God to mankind, to human beings, making them sons and daughters of God. I'm showing you why reasons why Jesus came the first time. Okay? So that you know what to do with the first coming. Okay? He came to take away sin. So now you are not a sinner any longer. If you are a child of God, you are not a sinner any longer. What do you need to do with his first coming? Agree with the fact that he has taken away sin and has made you his righteousness. Okay? I'm going to talk about some of those things. He says... Uh, he came, this is another point I wrote, he came to give the life of God to mankind, making them sons and daughters of God, or children of God, if you like. Second Timothy chapter 1, from verse 7 to verse 11. Sometimes if you don't know why Jesus came the first time, you will not appreciate what he came to do. And you will not appreciate what he's expecting you to do. You see, you will not appreciate what he's expecting you to do. Jesus came to die, to remove sins, and also to impart God's life to humanity. Do you see? All of humanity was dead as far as God was concerned. Jesus didn't come to change people from being bad to being good. He came to give life to dead people. He came to give life to the dead. Because as far as God was concerned, all of humanity was dead. Everybody had died. So in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 1, look at Ephesians 2, 1. 
Very interesting things written in the Bible. Ephesians 2 1. Says, and you has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is the nature of natural man. You are dead. Natural man is dead in trespasses and sins. That is his state. That is his nature. And Christ came to come and give life. So he says, and you has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Praise the Lord. So I'm not dead any longer. I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I mean, when you, when you understand what has happened, it changes your perspective in life. Up until today, there are a lot of Christians who think that they are sinners. God does not see you like that. If you have accepted the judgment of sin in Christ, you have passed from death to life. John 5, 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Then it says, But is passed from death unto life. He's passed from death unto life. That's why Jesus came, to make dead people live. That's why he came, not to make bad people good. No, that's not why he came. That is too easy. Making a bad person good is not, you don't need God for that. But you need God for bringing someone from the death of death, which is called spiritual death, back to life, which is called spiritual life to God. Taking people from hell to heaven is not something your father or your uncle can do. Only God can do that. And that's why Jesus came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he came to make us alive. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, According to the power of God. Next verse. Who has saved us? God who has saved us. And called us with an holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. He called us not according to our works. Remember by grace are you saved. Through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 I think. Go to Ephesians 2 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Have you seen it? Now go back to where we are reading. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God who has saved us, he saved us and called us with an holy calling. Then he says, not according to our works. So every Christian has a holy calling. He saves you and gives you a holy calling. How does he save you? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, like I spoke about not long ago. So he saved us for a purpose. We have not been saved for, for nothing. We've not been saved to just move around in a system. We've been saved for something. So I'm trying to show you the reason why you've been saved. Some of the reasons why you've been saved. Okay? So he says that God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God knew that you were accepting before the world began. He planned your salvation and planned your coming to him before the foundations of the world, before the world began. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse 10. Then it says, but it's now made manifest. What he planned before the foundation of the world is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then it says, who has abolished death? Do you see what he came to do? He came to abolish death. Who has abolished death? 
What a joy. What a joy. Who has abolished death? Jesus Christ, our Savior. It says, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? Through the gospel. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has abolished death and he has now brought life. So he did the first thing so that he can do the second thing. Sin was judging him so that he can take away death. That is spiritual death. And so that he can bring life. That is the life of God. That is the eternal purpose of God. To bring the life of God into humanity. Amazing. But it's now made manifest. Some of these scriptures, you can read them and then just be there. You, 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 don't, you can't move on. Because it's so exciting. Like, is this thing real? Is this thing true? It is this, it is emphatically true. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Not who will or is trying to. He has abolished death. And has, not is going to, has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How does it come to people? Through the gospel. As we preach to them, death is taken away. When they, so simply, as you tell them that Christ died for the sins of humanity, believe it. That's all. Believe that he existed, believe that he died, believe that he rose again the third day, and confess it for yourself. That's all. That is the gospel. That's why Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. There's nothing that can bring salvation apart from the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation, unto them that believe, unto everyone that believe. Then he says, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. The gospel is the way for the righteousness of God. To let you know that God is just. God is good and God is right. In declaring you not guilty. For therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Wow. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Go back to Second Timothy chapter 1. We're in verse 10 now. It says, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Look at the next verse. The next verse is for preachers. If you're a preacher, you should enjoy this one. It says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is Paul talking. He says, Unto this, because of this, I have been appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So if you're a preacher, you have a great assignment from the, from the king of kings and the lord of lords to bring many from death to life. Paul said that I've been sent to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. Wow. What a shock. That is the power we have. That is the power we have as preachers. Amazing. What a shock. Do you like my message? Then in John 3.16, Jesus himself also declared it. He said, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That, that is so significant. He didn't say, for God loved the world. He, if he loved the world, that's powerful. But he, said, he says, he so loved the world. He so loved the world. He so enjoyed the world. He so wanted the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. For what purpose? Not to only take away sin. It's not even mentioned here. Then he says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
should not perish, but have something called everlasting life. Possess everlasting life. So immediately you accept what he came for. If you believe the fact that he came the first time, because some people don't believe that he came the first time. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe it. That's the spirit of Antichrist. It is the spirit of Antichrist that says that Jesus is not coming in the flesh. Let's look at it. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Maybe you think I'm, I'm not saying it right. First John 4, 1. Look at it. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Continue. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Have you seen it? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. Some people don't believe that Jesus came. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's the spirit of Antichrist. But he came, he did. He came as a baby in swaddling clothes in that manger. Wrapped up in swaddling clothes in that manger. God became flesh, a baby, and was chased by Herod. Can you imagine? <laughs> he didn't come in a king's house. He came in a manger for the purpose of saving humanity. Wow. What a shock. And he came so that he might give you life. Back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever, it's a blank check. Whosoever, it doesn't matter your age, your color, your country, your past, whatever you've done, whatever it is. It says whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have, but possess everlasting life. Brother, we are possessors of eternal life. We are possessors of eternal life. So in 1 John, look at 1 John. Okay, John 10.10. 10. Let's read John 10.10. 10. Then we'll go to 1 John. John 10.10. 10. This is Jesus talking. All these are Jesus' words. He says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Then he says, I am come. He's showing you why he came. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. Let's look at the Amplified. It's so nice. The thief only comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Hallelujah. I came that they may have and enjoy life. What life is he talking about? He's not talking about uh, LG. Life is good. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the natural life. The Greek word here is zoe. The life of God. The God kind of life. You know that particular word did not exist. It was Jesus who coined it. Jesus coined that word. But you can coin your own word. <laughs> Jesus coined it. Zoe. I am come that they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance. To the full. Till it overflows. He wants you to have that life to the extent that it works so much in you that it overflows. It changes so many lives around you. The life of God. What makes God God? That is eternal life. Eternal life is not a life that you have and 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 do not die. That's not what he's talking about. Eternal life is the life of God. It's what makes God God. You see? There's a life of a human being. The life of a human being is different from the life of God. There are things that a human being cannot do because of his life. The kind of life that exists in him. For instance, a human being cannot disappear and appear. A human being cannot fly. 
A human being cannot exist underwater. A human being cannot create the sun, the stars, and the moon. No, human beings have their limits. The life that a human has is limited. They must depend on food. They get tired. But the life of God is different. Look, God has never complained that he's hungry or he's thirsty. He has never said that, okay, I'm feeling sleepy. I I want to sleep. There's nothing like that. (laughs) I'm sick. God has never said he's sick. And that life that makes God God and gives God that quality of life, of beauty and excellence, is that same life that has been communicated to you and I. That's the kind of life that we have. Through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Wow. What a shock. That same life. The life of a dog is different from the life of a cat. A cat cannot bark. You don't see a cat won't bark. It's like if the cat wants to bark, it can bark. There's nothing like that. A cat cannot. It does not bark. It's not consistent with its nature to bark. In the same way, the life of God cannot fail. It does not fail. It's not possible. God has never taken a decision and said, what is that? What is this? I've made a mistake. There's, there's, God, has, God, has, God does not have that. He does not have that at all. It's the same life he has communicated to you and I. Wow. What a shock. I think you should find time and learn about what has happened to you. Learn about what God, why Jesus came. He came to give you life. Look at John chapter 10. Let's read 1 John 5, 9. Then we'll come back to John chapter 10. 1 John 5, 9. This, if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. I don't know if you receive the witness of men. Yeah. yeah, you receive the witness of men all the time. For instance, you were told everything you know is as a result of what you've been told. We were sitting and somewhere thinking about ourselves. Then it, we were told that there's something called COVID 19 killing people. And so we shouldn't go out. And then we didn't go out. You, we are all functioning by what men say, men's witness. How sure are you that your father is your father? We've had stories of people staying with people for a long time. Only, and they look alike. Only to find out after 25 long years of living with them that, that they, are, they are not their father. Amazing. And the father does not even know. The father didn't even know that it's not my son. What a shock. They believe. We all believe in the witness of men. You are told you are Nigerian. There's no Nigerian blood. We all have one blood. We don't have green blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God is saying that if you believe in the witness of men, if you believe in what men say, then you should know that what God says is greater. For instance, some of us are seated here. We believe and trust in the witness of men. A man has made this chair and has told you that it will never, it will not break. So when you are sitting down, you don't check. You don't feel to see if the chair is okay, stable enough to sit on. You release all of your weights. You release all of your weight on the chair. Because you know that the chair will sustain you, to hold you. Even though chairs have been breaking all the time, you still have faith in what a man has done. You believe in the witness of man. (laughs) You see, he says that if you believe in the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. I think God is bigger than men, isn't it? He says that if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. 
Then he says, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. God has said something concerning his son, Jesus Christ. God has said something concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And it is higher than whatever anybody can say about anything else in life. That is why you shouldn't believe the testimony of people like that. Does God exist? Does this one? Listen, that guy, he doesn't remember his past. He doesn't, nobody remembers their past. If I ask you what happened, if you don't keep a diary, especially, and I ask you, walk me through what happened in, with you on 17 June 2005. You lived in, you, you were there. You lived it. You lived, you were around 17 June 2005. And you lived it. You lived 17 June 2005. Okay, maybe 2005 is too long. Some people are saying, it's like they can't remember. Okay, let, let me come forward. 20th January 2020. <laughs> Do you remember what happened? Walk me through morning till evening. To the time you slept. Walk me through it. You'll be surprised. So you don't even remember your past. How can you decide and say what exists and what does not exist? That God does not exist. We don't, what are you talking about? You don't remember your past. That you, you lived. What are you talking about? You don't even know your own past that you have lived. Brother, stop talking. <laughs> if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his son. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. He that believeth on the son of God has the witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Verse 11. And this is the record. This is the record. It's a record that has been put down by God. It's been spoken by God and he's put it down. He's written it down. God has a book. God has books. So. Human beings learn to have books because they read it in the Bible that God had books. Human beings learn to sit down because they read and saw that God sat down on thrones. That's why we have almost all the things that we have as a result of what we had with God. He says, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. This is it. God has. It's not going to. God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Jesus said, as a father has life in himself, because I can have eternal life, so has he given to the son to have eternal life. And he gives it to whomever he wills. Guess what? He says that, and this is the record, that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He that has the son has life. Do you have the son? Do you have Jesus Christ in your life? That's what happens to us. We receive Christ into our spirits on that day when we gave our lives to Christ. He that has a son has life. And he that has not the son of God has not life. Verse 13. Then he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you will know that you have eternal life. Because there are a lot of Christians who have eternal life but are not aware that they have eternal life. They don't know that they have eternal life. So they live like any ordinary person with ordinary things happening to them. Your, your, your speed is the speed of humanity. You go from one to two, then to three, to four, to five. But God doesn't do that. Can you imagine God created the heavens and the earth that we see in six days? Six days. He used six days to do all the things that he did. Quick work. He says, I'll do a quick work and cut it short in righteousness. Meaning that you don't have to spend eternity to do one thing. You don't have to spend so much to accomplish something. No. 
The life of God is inside you. And by that life, you can accomplish so much within 10 years. You can redeem the time quickly because the life of God is inside you. That's what it means. There's so much to explore with the life of God. This is what Jesus came to come and give to us. So that we can be like God. So that we can think like God. So that we can have fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 9. He says, God is faithful. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been called unto fellowship with Jesus Christ. How can you fellowship with someone whom you don't have the same class with? It's not going to work. For us to be able to fellowship. I mean, you don't tell your child your one-year-old baby, your problems that you had at work when you come back from work. Even your 14-year-old, you don't tell your 14-year-old what happened to you at work and how your boss is worrying you and expect to be consoled. It's not going to work. Why? Because they are not on the same level with you. You can't fellowship with them. They are not on the intellectual level that you are on. For you to have fruitful fellowship, and, and receive something that will bless you and help you. You need to talk to somebody who has the same intellect as yours. It's on a similar level with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why many marriages fail. Because you have people who are marrying people whose minds, they are not on the same level, mentally speaking. This one thinks this way. You also think that, that way. And you want to live together. It's not going to work. When you are seeing A, she's hearing QRST. It's not going to work. Advise yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this shows you, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been called unto fellowship. It shows you that he's giving us what Jesus has is given to us. And we are on the same level with him. We are in the same class. We are fellowshipping together. Hallelujah. We made fellows and participators of the divine kind. Isn't it amazing? Wow. Associates of the God kind, I tell you. Hmm. So he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember, we are talking about what to do with the first coming. Isn't it? What to do with the first These are things that Jesus did in the first coming. So what, what do you think he's expecting of you? He's expecting you to explore what he came to do. To explore what he gave to you as a result of his first coming. He's expecting it from you to explore. That's what I'm saying. You must explore this life because he came to give us life. He's expecting it of you. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 10, verse 27. John 10, 27. This is my sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus talking once again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Brother, Jesus knows you. Do you know Jesus knows you? Maybe you think Jesus has told no you. You think that we are so many. Oh, there are so many children of God all around the world. How, come, how can God know me? Brother, sister, he knows you. He knows your address. He knows what you are wearing right now. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything concerning your life. He knows you. And he doesn't know you to do you harm. He knows you to do you good. Amazing. He's not like CIA or something. That is FBI. That is watching you. You are under surveillance. No. <laughs> He's watching you to do you good. The Bible says that he cares for you affectionately and watchfully. Yeah. He cares for you. One day, God was sending um, um, 
Cornelius to go and locate Peter. And guess what? The angel of God that was sent was told to tell Cornelius the street name that Peter was on, the house he was in, the nature of the house, where he was, what he was doing at the exact time when they got there. God knows. God knows you. He knows you by name. Same thing. He was sending Ananias to go and see uh, Saul, who later became Paul. And he showed him where he was, the street name where he was, the location where he was, and showed exactly what he'd be doing when Ananias goes. Ananias didn't need GPS to get there. He didn't need a Google map to get there. The Holy Ghost told him what to do. And when he went, it was just like that. That's the life we have been given. We've been given that life. That's the kind of life we have. To be able to associate with God, to fellowship with God, to know things. To know things. That does not come by human agency. Wow. What a blessing. Maybe you are listening to me and you don't know all of these things. You've not come into the realization of some of these things. You have to grow in the Lord. You have to mature in the Lord. That's one of the major things that God is looking out for, for you. I'm going to share that with you as we go on. Hallelujah. John chapter 10, verse 27. John 10, 27. I don't know if you like what I'm sharing with you. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. No confusion. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you a sheep? He says, you hear my voice. Don't ever say, I prayed. I don't know what God is saying. I hear his voice. I know what he's saying. Because he says, I hear his voice. So I hear his voice. I know his voice. There's an internal arrangement to hear his voice. I mean, no matter how long it has been that you've seen me, if you know me, if you hear my voice, you know that, oh, pastor is just around. You would know. You would know. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wow. Wow. This is a whole message. They follow me. In other words, you will never miss your way. You will never miss your way. Contrary to what people say, that you don't know, maybe you miss the will of God. He says, they follow me. They hear my voice. They know me. They hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Then he says, and I give unto them. Next verse, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. I give all my sheep eternal life. If you are a sheep, he's giving you eternal life. He says, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Look at the Amplified of verse 28. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. To all eternity, they shall never by any means be destroyed. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. That is how secured you are. It's called the security of salvation. He didn't save you to lose you. He says that I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. They shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. You know the ages. I've shared some with you. The kingdom age, the rapture, all of those things. All the way to New Jerusalem. So the New Jerusalem is the beginning of eternity. Eternity future. He says that to all eternity, they shall never by any means be destroyed. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Brother, you are special. Like I said to you on Wednesday, don't kill yourself. You are too special. Never get to the point where you say, I'm going to take my life because, because of what? Because of who? Do you, don't let anybody do anything that will cause you to take your life. Why? Because of what? It doesn't make any sense. Who died for who? <laughs> no, he's not. The person is not worth your life. 
He's not, I don't know why I'm talking like this. Maybe you are watching me and you, want, you are thinking of killing yourself. That issue is not worth your life. You are too special. Ah, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he came to give us life, right? To give us a life of God. And to make sons and daughters out of us for God. Hallelujah. Look at Galatians chapter 4. From verse 4 to verse 5. So I'm talking about sons of God now. Sons and daughters of God or children of God. He came so that he might take away sin, right? Sin might be judging him. Number two, to give us life, the life of God. And number three, to make us sons unto God or children of God. Hallelujah. If you don't have the life of God, you cannot be a child of God. What makes you a child of God is the life of God. What makes you uh, Mr. Uh, Smith's son is the life of Mr. Smith that is in you. Is the genes of Mr. Smith that is in you. Without his DNA, you cannot be his son. He can look after you, but you are not his son. But if you have his DNA, then you are his son. Is it true? Uh Same thing. What makes you a child of God is the DNA of God, which is his life. So as soon as you get his life, you become his son. Hallelujah. Or daughter is the same thing. So Galatians 4 lets us know why Jesus came along that line. He says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That we might receive what? The adoption of sons. Now, he's not talking about this word adoption there is heuthasia. That's a Greek word. Heuthasia. U-I-E-T-E-S-I-A. Heuthasia. And what it means is to raise someone who is your child naturally, who has been born by you naturally, who has your DNA, to raise that person to become a king in your place. Please you understand? Yeah. So that's what he's talking about when he says adoption of sons. It's like what is written in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Look at Ephesians 1. Let's read from verse 3 into verse 4 so it makes more sense. It's blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Then it says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5. Then it says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He did this according to the good pleasure of his will. This is God's will concerning you, that you be a child, his bona fide child, one that he has given back to himself. Okay, keep your finger here. Go to James 1.18. James 1.18. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, of his own will, of God's own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will. Of God's own will. Nobody forced him. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He says that when the fullness of time was come. God sent his own son Jesus Christ. To come and die. And redeem all those who are under the curse. So that he can have sons. He can have children. Bonafide children that he can give back to. John 1, 11. Look at John 1, 11. I'm giving you plenty of scriptures. There are so many scriptures. I mean, the Bible is so nice. Try, read the Bible. Be a child of God who is into reading the Bible. Just read the Bible. You'll be surprised at the joy to bring to you. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at what it will do to you. 
He says he came unto his own. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many, not as few. Some people say that, oh, narrow is the way that goes to the whatever. He says as many. As many. So when it comes to the life of God and going with him, as many, as, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. The word sons there, okay, is a Greek word, technon, T-E-K-N-O-N. It means one who is begotten of somebody, an offspring, one who has come out of his bowels, one who has come out of his loins, one who has come out of the womb of another. That's what it means. It says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the rights. The word power there is rights, authority, exousia. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe in his name? Yes. He has given you the right to become his child, his technon, one he has given birth to. You are an offspring of God. He says, but ye are of God, little children. First John 4, 4. But ye are of God, little children. The word of there is to originate. He says, but you originate. You come out of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are not ordinary. Brother, listen, we are all looking the same, physically speaking. But we are not all the same. Stop saying our Muslim brothers. Our father is different. We don't have the same father. You can say, oh, Muslim friend or something. I don't say Muslim brother. What are you talking about? Are you a Muslim? So what are you talking about? Wow. We all look the same physically speaking, but we are actually not the same. That is why in 1 John chapter 3, Verse 1. Look at 1 John 3 1. He says that, Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. This is the love of God that has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. The word sons, there is the same Greek word, technon. T E K N O N. We are the technon. We are the begotten sons of God. Jesus was the only begotten son of God at his first advent. But when he was living, when he died and rose again, he brought many sons, many daughters, many children of God out of, we are all begotten of God. Remember? Oh. For what? It behoved him to bring many sons unto glory. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John 5. Then we'll come back to 1 John 3. 1. It's nice. 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. <laughs> Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Can you imagine? We are begotten of him. <laughs> he begot us. <laughs> of his own who begat he us. Of his own who he gave birth to us. So you are, I don't know, maybe you are the second begotten of God. Jesus was the first, but there's a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a millionth, and a one billionth, and a one, whatever. We are many sons. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? He says, that person is born of God. He is born of God. Absolute statement, no complications about it. So we look, we look, we look the same. This flesh is covering everybody, all of us. And our attitude looks the same even. But we are actually not the same. Go back to First John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The world does not know us, because it knew him not. 
Do you see? Why didn't they know him? Because he was moving around like a normal person. Just like you and I are moving around as normal people. But we are actually not normal. We are super normal. Look at the next verse 2. Then he says, Beloved, now, not tomorrow, not five years from now, not when you are good enough. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him. I say, Yes, when he appears, then our real nature, what we really are, on that day when he appears in the sky, remember, he says that he shall be glorified in the sons. He shall be glorified in the sons of God. Wow. wow. Then he says, and everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. What a shock. Sons of God in reality. We are not ordinary. We are not ordinary. See, I'm not ordinary. I'm not ordinary. Hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. We are sons of God. We are sons of God. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness of the Spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Ghost bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons. The word children, there's the same word for sons that has been used in all those places. Technon. We are the children. We are the sons of God. Wow. See, I'm glad I'm born again. I'm glad I'm born again. And this is what Jesus came for. Number one, for what? What's the number one reason why he came? To take away sin. To receive the punishment for sin and take away sin. He's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Number two, to give life. To give, this is the reason why he came the first time. To give us the life of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And number three is what? To make us the children of God because of the life that is given to us. Wow. wow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at Titus chapter 3. Let's see from verse 3 to verse 8. Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Next verse. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We should be made heirs. So now you are an heir of God. We are heirs of God by virtue of Christ. I don't know if you, you were following what I was reading. I intentionally read this slowly so that you see what I was talking about. He did all of that. He says you were, some, you were not correct at all some time ago. But after the love and the goodness of God appeared, let's read it. Oh, it's so nice. For we ourselves were also were sometimes foolish. Do you agree? Yes. Disobedient. Do you agree? Yes. Deceived. Do you agree? Yes. Serving diverse lusts. Do you agree? Yes. And pleasures. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Do you agree that this is how you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Then it says, but after that, the kindness and love of God as Savior toward man appeared. There's a day the love of God appeared. How did it appear? In that small boy, in that manger called Jesus Christ. That was the love of God. But after that, the kindness and love of God as Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he says he saved us. By the washing of regeneration. It's called the washing that regenes you. Okay? I didn't want to go into this. Revelation chapter 1, verse, verse 6 says that, Unto him that loved us, that's verse 5, Unto him that loved us, Jesus Christ, who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, he washed us from us. As he washed us from our sins in his own blood, as he was washing us, he was washing us unto regeneration. As he washed us in our sins in his own blood, we were regened. We're regined to become new men, new creatures. New creatures, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. New creatures altogether that have the life of God in them. Wow. Then he says, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost can live in us because the Holy Ghost has also undergone a transformation. Hey, the Holy Ghost could not have lived in man. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. How can you carry the power of God inside you? He also had to, so... It's okay. Let's not go into it. Let's go on. Also, to take us off, I'll go for another 30 minutes, okay? It says, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace or being declared not guilty by his grace, being made righteous by his grace, we should be made heirs. So he made us righteous. Then he says he made us heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Romans chapter 8 Verse, let's read 16 to 17. You see it. Romans 8, 16 into 17. Remember, we just read 16 a few minutes ago. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness of our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ now. Hallelujah. God is now our father. If you are the son of God or a daughter of God, God is now your father. Therefore, in Romans chapter 8, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Oh, I have so many things to share with you. Romans 8, 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Do you remember adoption? Yeah. We're reading it and we stopped, isn't it? Heuthasia. Yeah. Bringing the placing of sons or the growing of children who have been born in your house. To become kings. For instance, if um, I'm a king and I have four sons, only one can rule in my stead, isn't it? Now, that one that will rule my stead, I have to raise him, especially different from the others, to be able to sit on my throne and rule in my absence. That one that I take to train is called my adopted son. He's my natural son, I give it to him. But for the purpose of ruling, I adopt him. That's the word adoption here. I adopt him. I bring him in for the purposes of training to reign. And that's what God says here. God says that he has called all of his children, all of his children to be trained for the purposes of reigning. Do you understand? So we are all, as we are here in this life, you see, so this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to come and make us sons of God. To be raised 
to king or to rule and reign with them. Remember, I've, I've shared some of these things with you. He says that he has made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall rule with him forever on the earth, if you remember. So our life here as children of God is for the purpose of training. We are in a probationary training period for the purpose of fitting us properly to reign with him on that day. And you must present yourself to be trained. That's one of the major things you need to do with the first coming. There are two things I want to mention today. The first one, two things you need to do with the first coming of Jesus Christ. The first one is to awaken to the fatherhood of God. Remember, he's given you his life and made you his child. Awaken to the fact that God is now your father. How do you see God? For many Christians, God is some old white man sitting on his big throne with plenty white hair holding a machine gun or a hammer just waiting for you to do something wrong to shoot you or to smash you, squash you like a termite. That's how a lot of people see God. A lot of children of God see him like that. But that's not how he is. God is, you must, you must awaken to the fact that he's now your father. He says, if you being evil, this is what Jesus said. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your sons and to your daughters, how much more your father which is in heaven? If you know how to give good gifts, he asks them, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? They said, no. What if he asks you for fish? Will you give him a serpent? He said, no. That's in Luke chapter 11. He says, and, or if he, this is verse 12, or if he shall, let's read it, let's read it. I think it's nice. Just Luke 11, 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Your son asks for bread and you give him stone. What kind of wickedness is that? Or if he asks a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? Your, your son asks you a fish and then you give him a snake. You are a wicked person. Next verse, verse 12. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? How can a scorpion be an egg? Then he says, if you, then, being evil, natural men are evil, by instinct, says, if you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The Holy Spirit, there's one in Matthew that says that, how much more shall your Father give you good gifts? How much more shall he give you good gifts? The Holy Spirit is the good gift of God who supplies you all your needs. It's because you don't see God as your Father. That's why you are struggling so much. You are struggling. You are afraid of him. You are afraid he's going to say something against you. You are afraid he's going to judge you and take you to hell. You are afraid he's not going to give you what you request for. So when you are requesting, you request and run away. I want a beloved. Then you run away. Because <laughs> you are not so sure. You think that the desire for a beloved is not something God wants. So you ask and you run away. I want $100,000. So then you run away. No, that's not God. He says he cares about you watchfully. Ask in boldness. Listen, God wants you to ask in boldness. He says even before you ask, he knows it. Yeah, ask in boldness. Ask in confidence. Faith is born out of love. When you know how much you are loved, you ask without thinking twice. And you ask believing, knowing that you have it. So awaken to the fatherhood of God 
Because God is expecting you to use your privilege as a son, as his child, to reign here on earth. You see, because God, God likes you, and because he likes you, he wants you to stay in health. This is why Jesus came. Remember, he says that by whose stripes you were healed. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 into 24. He says, who when he was revived, revived not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body. Remember this. He himself bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's on the cross. He says that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. We being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Then he says, by whose stripes ye were healed. Why? Because you are his son. And because you are his son, he wants good gifts for you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the father of lights. In whom there is no variableness. That's in James chapter 1. No shadow of turning. Yeah. What he has done for one, he will do for the other. Even under different circumstances. God likes you. God loves you. God prefers you. God is passionate about you. Believe it. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ. To make us his sons. So that in our earthly walk, we can walk in victory. We can walk in grace. We can walk in greatness. And live in prosperity. Not as paupers and poor people. As sick people. No, how does your sickness elevate God in any way? How does it bring glory to God in any way? It doesn't. It doesn't. This every good. This is James 1.17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights. Meaning that we are lights, right? He's our Father. So if he's the Father of lights, who are we? If Jesus said you are the light of the world, isn't it? We are the light of the world. He says, it cometh down from the Father of lights. Then he says, with whom? Is no variableness. There's no, I don't know if you understand this. There's no variableness. There's no considerations with him. Because you did this or did that, you are not getting this. Because you did that. No. You see, in God's sight, in God's mind, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven. Every single thing that you need for your life has been given to you. So it's the expectation of God that you live here on earth because he has come. Remember, with whom is no variableness? James 1.17. Let me not go beyond. It says, with whom is no variableness? Neither shadow of turning. Neither shadow of turning. There's no shadow of turning with him. Wow. God is ready. God is ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So awaken, tell me about awaken. Or tell yourself, awaken to the fatherhood of God. He says, because you are sons, he has sent his spirit into your life. Crying, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the Greek word for father. It's, it's like a passionate word for father. Like daddy, the way you call your daddy, daddy or papa or something. So actually, so Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship, whereby we cry by that, by the spirit of sonship, we cry, Abba, Father, or Father, Father, passionate calls of calling God Father. God wants you to be awakened to that particular fact in your life. Okay? He wants you well. 
He wants you strong. He wants you bold. He wants you rich. He wants you influential. That's why he says that all things are yours. Whether it be life or death or things past or things present. All are yours. Do you see? He gave his life so that you can have all to the full. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and enjoy it. Have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy it to the full. That's what Jesus said. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. What are you waiting for, my brother? What are you waiting for, my sister? Believe in what God's word has said. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. This is what God is expecting of you. This is what to do with the first coming of Jesus Christ. What are you doing with the first coming of Jesus Christ? Don't let his first coming be nothing. You are just waiting for the second coming. How about the first coming? What, what happened with his first coming? He came so that you might have life and enjoy it. Have it to the full. He says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Make sure, decide. He said, I made a decision a long time ago to enjoy the life of God, to enjoy the goodness of God. I'll never be broke in my life. I'll never be poor in my life. And I'll never be sick in my life. I'll never be put to shame in my life. The Bible says that Jesus was pushed to shame for me. So maybe you've done something that is shameful. And because of that, you don't want to come out. You feel that you are, you are, you are going to be put to shame. Listen, be bold. Be confident. He was put to shame. Jesus was crucified, stark naked. Put to shame. So that you will not have any shame in life. So maybe you've done something wrong or something happened. And you feel that God does not like you. So right, like you, it has reduced your life in a certain way. No, that's the devil talking to you. That's the devil talking to you. Be confident. Be bold. Be bold. He says the righteous are as bold as lions. As bold as lions. Hallelujah. Make up your mind. Make up your mind to enjoy the life of God. Make up your mind to enjoy the goodness of God. We are living in abundance. He's brought us into abundance. He has. He's brought us into abundance. Okay, look at 1 Corinthians 3.21. It says, therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. Next verse. Then he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. What else do you want him to see? He says, all things are yours. What else do you want him to give to you? All things are yours. Now, so it's, it's on you. It's on your shoulders. The honors are on you to participate in what he has said. By faith. And faith is not, you don't need 1,000 billion faith to be able to enjoy the goodness of God. The faith he gave to you for you to be born again, he even gave it to you. The faith he gave to you to, be, to give your life to Christ is the same faith you need for everything, including your healing, including your enjoyment, including everything you ever need in your life. The same faith. The same faith is good enough. That faith is good enough. So don't make a fuss out of faith. It's good enough. It's very easy. It's very simple. Do you see? It's very, very simple. All you do with that faith is to plant it and grow it. Grow it more and more. That same simple faith you used to believe in Jesus Christ. The same simple faith you use to do everything else in the kingdom of God. Wow. All are yours. Can you imagine? Meaning that that nice house on your street is yours. I'm not saying go and take them out. That's what I'm saying. But every good thing is yours. 
It's a mentality you must have. God wants you to dominate here on earth. To be honest, that's why he came. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Look at Romans 5, 17. Oh, I love the word. I love the Bible. Hmm. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. See, death has reigned. People have been afraid of death. Remember what we read just a few seconds ago? It says that death is yours. Meaning that you can say anything about death. And nothing bad will happen to you. Can you imagine? I'm not dying on the streets by a road accident. I'm not dying in the air by a plane crash. I'm not dying in the waters by a sea, whatever. I'm not dying in any water. When I'm satisfied, he satisfies his beloved with long life. When I've lived and I'm tired, then I'll lie down on my bed and say goodbye to everybody. That is if I want to die. Remember, he says he has brought life and immortality to light. Meaning that if you want to live for the rest of your life, live continuously till Jesus comes. It is there too. That package is there for you. And it is those who believe in that that will be raptured. I tell you. He says he died so that all those who had fear of death and were in bondage because of the fear of death will come out of death. It's all in the Bible. I just said something in Hebrews chapter 2. So make up your mind. That is why I read my Bible. You see, that is why I read my Bible. That's why I know the scriptures. Because I want to enjoy. I want to live what God has given to me to live. I want to live that life that he has given to me to live. And I'm not going to let anything take that away from me. I'm going to live big. I'm going to live large. I'm going to live gloriously. I'm going to spread his word all across the world. Yeah. Do you know that as you are seated this way, you can't help her come up. Try help her standing up while seated. Try it. No, don't stand up. Let him lift you up. Can you do it? Use all your strength. It's not that big. It's not working, isn't it? Okay, stand now. Stand and help her come up. Help her stand up. You see how easy it is? So you have no benefit to humanity being low and down. You can't help anybody when you are down. When you keep saying that I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, I don't know what's happening. You can't, no, you can't help anybody. And nobody can help you because a lot of people think like that. A lot of people think like that. You're on the same level. You can only help people when you stand up. When you decide. So decide to stand up from henceforth. Decide to respond to the fatherhood of God in your life. And take your seats. Thank you. Decide. Decide that I'm going to think differently. It all starts as a mindset. It's a mindset. It's developing a mindset of victory. A mindset of grace. A mindset of greatness. Not a mindset of loneliness. Like you are down. I don't know what I'm going to do. No. How does that help anybody? It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. It's of no use. You can't help anyone. Jesus spoke big. No, you should, you, should, you should read about Jesus. I'm from above. You are from beneath. You're of your father, the devil. And it's his works that you will do. I'm from above. I also do my father's works. That was how Jesus spoke. Yeah. Yeah. He kept on affirming it, saying it continuously every day. Yeah. Declaring his mission, his purpose, who he was, where he had come from, what he had come to accomplish all the time. All the time. Stop talking like a pauper. Uh, you know my house. We, know, we are all aware of your house. Including God. God knows your house. That is why he has brought his word. 
and brought his house to you and made you part of his house. So now you are part of, don't you remember, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. Then he says, children who are not born of flesh, nor of blood, nor of a man's will. He's taking you from blood, your bloodline, from a man's will, to his bloodline and his will. What is your problem? Stop talking like a nobody. Jesus said that by your words you shall be justified and by your words you shall be condemned. A lot of Christians have been condemned by virtue of their words because they never, they never considered what had happened as a result of the first coming of Jesus Christ. We are now sons of God. God is now our father and it means a lot, brother. It means a lot. It means so much. It means so much. Now are we the sons of God. Not tomorrow. Now are we the sons of God. I will never be sick in my life. Not when my body is a temple. So you insist on it. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. You see some sickness knocking on your door? Don't carry yourself to the hospital and start telling everybody, oh, I don't know, I'm feeling this one, I'm feeling this pain, this one is going through my hair, it's doing this, it's doing that. You are elevating the sickness. And it will deal with you, be surprised. No, sickness is real. Disease is real. They are there. They will deal with you. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. But when you speak differently, you talk differently, I'm a child of God. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not full of sickness. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It says, if you love your tongue, the power of your tongue, if you love the good things that your tongue can bring to you, it will bring you good things. That's what the Bible says. It began by saying death. That's Revelation chapter 18 verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So I made a decision a long time ago to love it. I love it. I love it. So I will eat of the good of the land. There are Christians who don't want to eat of the good of the land. It's up to them. I'm not saying anything about them. It's up to them. But I made a decision a long time ago that I will, I will enjoy. That's what Jesus said. I am come that you may have life. And have it to the full. To enjoy it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will never be defeated in my life. It says whatsoever is born of God. Overcometh the world. First John chapter 5 verse 4. Whatsoever. That was even so generic. Whatsoever. For whatsoever is born of God. Overcometh the world. Meaning that. What you even touch. You see, as a child of God, what you touch becomes born of God. Do you know man is even crying to be in your hands? The expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The creature is waiting for your manifestation. Money is waiting for you to start talking that it is good for you. Some people talk as though money is not good for them. They are cast waiting to be put into your ownership because they know that when they are in your care, you treat them well. Stop talking like a poor person. Because as far as God is concerned, we are not poor. And it makes no difference what your current state is. The way to get out of that current state is by your confessions and by your faith. By believing what God has said. This is what God has said. Philemon 1.6. Let me use Philemon 1.6. There's so much I could say about this, but I'm just showing you. I want to show you step by step. This is the first thing you need to do with the first coming of Jesus Christ. Accept the fatherhood of God. Awaken to the fatherhood of God. Awaken to the life of God in you. Awaken to the goodness of God towards you. He says he loads you with benefits. The Lord loads you with benefits. I'm loaded with benefits. benefits. One man of God said, the lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. 
I have a goodly heritage. When they shared the property, I had the best. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm different. I'm different. I'm not of this world. I'm special. I'm special. Some people say, well, you are not special. It's not true. You are special. You are very special. You are very, very special. You are very, very special. You have the best of husbands. You have the best of children. You have the best of wives. You have the best of houses. You have the best of friends. You have the best of cars. You have the best of everything. I mean, don't say that. Oh, ask for life. Some parts can be good and some parts may not be so good. Who said so? Says who? The Bible says that wisdom, in wisdom's right hand is righteousness. And in his left is durable riches. And guess what? Christ has made unto us wisdom. Christ is wisdom. And he is made unto us wisdom. And he comes in his right hand with righteousness. Meaning that you can be rich and good. Righteous. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 16. says, length of days is in the right hand. And in the left hand riches and honor. Eh? Length of days are in the right hand. And in the left hand riches and honor. Long life. You see, length of days is different from long life. <laughs> length of days is different from long life. Long life is living, 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 living. Length of days is having your day elongated. Like your results is more than what 24 hours is supposed to give. You have, you have so much happening. Wow. There's more. There's more some, I think, chapter 8. There's one in chapter 8 that says that she will give you uh, righteousness and give you durable riches as well. Can look for it. Read your Bible. I will encourage you to read your Bible. Because the more you read, you see, I'm talking like this because I've read some things. I've seen in the Bible. I've listened to some messages. I've seen it. I've seen people. There are people I follow. Men of God I follow. Who well, I've seen on TV becoming bigger. Influ- I'm not talking about size. Becoming influential over the years as a result of what they were saying. Yeah. Just because of what we are telling you. Because they were wed to the fatherhood of God. They wouldn't accept anything. Apart from what God says they should have. Look at the verse 8.18. It says, riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and what? Righteousness. This wisdom. Yeah. So don't say, oh, there are some parts of your life that may not work. Every part of my life will work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, I'll never be defeated in my life. Whatsoever is born of God overcome the world. Then he says, and this is the virtue of Akame the word, even our faith. Philemon 1.6. Philemon 1.6. He says, I pray. This is Paul praying for his church member. Like I'm praying for you this morning. He says, I pray that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Let's read the Amplified. He says, and I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. I don't know if you are catching what he's saying. He says that I'm praying for you that your faith will produce results. The results of your faith will keep increasing. Do you see? The effectiveness of your results will keep increasing. The effectiveness or the sharing of your faith. Like when you start talking about the things that God has done with you, it increases. The testimony of your faith, the participation of your faith, the sharing of your faith will keep increasing. 
like your results, he's talking about your results in life will keep increasing. He wants your results to keep increasing. How will your results keep increasing? He says, by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Because as far as God is concerned, because Jesus has come, okay, and is in us, as a result of the new birth, we have every good thing. Everything that you need for life and godliness has been given to you. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. From verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Next verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us. Has given unto us. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given you everything. Because you have the life of God. All you need for your life. All you need for your joy. For your excellence, for your glory, is inside. Because I pray that the sharing of your faith, the effectiveness of your faith, may become effectual. How? Through the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Brother, get to the word. That's what to do with the first coming. Get to the word. Find out. Find out. Listen to messages that will help you build yourself up. Build your consciousness of who you are in Christ more. So that you can live the life he has called you to live. How much more they which receive abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. They shall reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to reign in this life. Jesus was not working as a pauper on earth. He was not. Jesus had houses in different places. He was not a pauper. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't say that oh, the son of man does not have a place to lay his head. He was saying something in reference to a particular thing. Decide to be big. Decide to be influential. Because God is your father. Do you know what it means for the president of your country to be your father? Do you know what it means? For the president of your country to be your father. Like the president is your father. Do you know what you can do? I don't know if you know what some sons of certain presidents in certain African countries have done. There are certain countries that the sons are the richest men in the country. Because their father is the president. Uh, it normally happens in Africa. Your father is the richest person and the most influential person ever. Nobody can match him. Brother, start doing too known. Eh? You know, become too known small. You are too quiet. Become too known. Become wild. Like, come out of your obscurity. Become conscious of it. Awaken to his fatherhood. And watch your life get better. That's why Jesus came. And that's what to do. That's the first thing to do with the first coming. Hallelujah. Yeah. Lift up your hands wherever you are and thank God for what he has shared with you. Give him glory and give him praise. Father, we give you glory. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. Give him glory, give him praise. Give him glory and give him praise. Father, thank you for your children. Thank you that that statement that I'm a child of God will mean so much for them from henceforth and to change their lives forever. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.